Well, as uh, Rob said, we are continuing our series called The Value of Rest. And if you uh, missed last Sunday, Liam Thatcher from Christchurch London uh, kicked this series off by looking at reasons for our busyness. Who here thinks they're pretty busy in life? Wow. I think, probably if we're honest, most of us are fairly busy in our lives, even if it's family life, work life, church life. Statistically, as Liam showed, actually it's quite scary. Despite advances in technology, despite uh, the ease of communications, we are working longer and longer hours than ever before. We are sleeping less and the total bill on our health service is going up and up and up. As a nation, we are suffering physically, mentally, spiritually. I don't think any of us need convincing that particularly as a nation, we are way too busy and stress levels are way too high. But I think one quote that really stood out for me last week was this fact that actually if we lift the lid on our hearts, deep down, we all want to be busy. That was quite a shock to me. I was like, I don't want to be busy. Actually, I've, I did a bit of soul searching. We get so much value from what we do. In our culture, busyness equals value and self-worth. We've often said, you know, one of the first questions we ask when we're introduced to someone after what is your name, it's what do you do? Our whole identity is, is wrapped up in what we do rather than who we truly are. You know, of course, what we do shapes who we become. God uses what we do to help shape what we become, but it's not the essence of who we are. You know, this really hit home to me some years ago when I first moved to London from the West Country. I didn't have a job to move to. I was really following Claire, uh, my wife, as she was starting college in London. I joined a new church. And it wasn't long before I started to feel pretty rubbish after the fourth or fifth introduction of what do you do? Actually, I do nothing. You know, I started to feel pretty rubbish. My self-esteem went down. My sense of self-worth went down. You know, it was a long time before I learned the phrase, I am between jobs. It feels a lot better to say that. But what struck me was how much value... I and, and other people put on what we do as part of our identity, how much self-esteem, how much worth I had put on what I did or didn't do. You know, and therefore, it follows, doesn't it? The more we do, therefore, the more uh, important we feel, the more valued we feel, the more wanted we feel. And as Liam described it last week, he described it as our busyness that tries to fill this hole, this vacuum of self-worth and significance, which is a hole that only God can truly fill. Only God can truly give us that sense of self-worth, significance, value. 
And the danger is when we stop from our works, we suddenly think, oh my word, there's a vacuum. I'm empty because we've been filling it with the wrong things. And so really this whole subject of rest, the value of rest as we look through this through the summer months, is really all to do with our hearts rather than simply getting a better grip on our diaries and our agendas. It's a heart issue. It's recognizing that we need to have a healthy pace, a healthy rhythm of our life. It's a heart issue. Or as Bill Hybels puts in his book, Simplify, uncluttering your life requires an uncluttering of your soul. It's a heart issue. And so we're going to be looking into this throughout these summer months. I'll just put some books up there again. These are ones that Liam um, suggested. I've read two of them. This is, look how thin this is. This is a brilliant summer read. Crazy busy. Fantastic read. I'd also add Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Cazero. That is really, really good. It's got a great chapter on what we're looking at this morning. I mean, how many syllables can you fit in one title? It's not an easy, (laughs) emotionally healthy spirituality. Anyway, a good read, slightly thicker than Crazy Busy. But if you're thinking about some summer reading, I can highly recommend these books, particularly as we gear up to the autumn term. So we're going to look at, well, we've already looked at reasons for our busyness last week. We're going to be looking at how we can replenish our reserves, our emotional reserves, our physical reserves. We're going to be looking at how we can draw from the right source rather than drawing from the wrong sources. We're going to look at how we can remove unnecessary burdens. As Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, come to me, all you who are heavy Burdened and weary, I will give you rest. It's as we come to Jesus, that's where we find true rest. We're going to look at how we can work from a place of rest, that we can actually be fruitful and not just busy. We're also going to look at rest as our inheritance, that actually our inheritance is a people of rest as we rest in Christ. It's about gaining heavenly priorities, heavenly perspectives. But this morning, we are going to be looking at the subject of the Sabbath rest. The Sabbath rest, this God-ordained rhythm of life that I think is so often misunderstood and perhaps even more often ignored in our busy culture. And again, like Liam did, I just want to add my own little caveat by saying this is one area that I struggle with, this whole area of busyness. I don't know if it's a church leader thing, but I'm sure I'm not the only one. And I feel like I'm only taking baby steps in this area of getting a better, more healthy rhythm in my life. Sometimes it feels like one step forward, two steps back. But my hope is, my prayer is that as we go through this series together, each one of us will grow in a, a greater freedom of the life that God has actually intended for us. Not a life of stress and anxiety, but actually a life of, yes, busyness, but not being burnt out. We are called to work. We are called to be fruitful. We're not called to be burnt out. You know, fruitful, not fretful. To rest well. I think some of us, particularly myself, need to learn how to rest well. And yet not fall over the other way into kind of apathy and lethargy. It's getting that healthy rhythm of life. 
That's my prayer. Let's get stuck in. If you've got a Bible, do turn to the creation story. I'm going to read um, actually the last verse of chapter 1 into Genesis chapter 2. It should come up on the screen in a few moments. Reading from verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. But by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from the work of creating that he had done. Flick on to Exodus chapter 20. This is God giving his people through Moses the Ten Commandments, reading from verse 8. Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shan't do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter or male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." So right from the beginning, we see God personally modeling this rhythm of work and rest, work and rest, and then instructing his people, the people of Israel, to do the same. This is a pattern. Six days of work, then rest, work, rest. The trouble is, as with God's other laws, people soon turn them into something altogether different. People lost the heart behind the laws that God had given. And the Sabbath rest was no different. Soon people had turned it from being something that was incredibly positive and edifying into something that was incredibly limiting and legalistic. And so by the time Jesus arrives on the scene, we get a situation like the one in Mark 2 where Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, for picking heads of corn for his hungry disciples. Chapter later, he heals someone with a withered arm on the Sabbath, again under the critical eye of the religious leaders. And Jesus' response is so important. In Mark 2, 27, he says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's so important we understand that when we're looking at this Sabbath rest. In other words, he's telling the religious leaders, stop turning something that was designed to be a blessing and a means of grace to people into something of a burden and a guilt trip. Time and time again, they missed the heart of God's law. They tried to keep the letter of the law, but they missed the heart, the spirit of the law. You know, Jesus... Uh, discussed that in the Sermon on the, of the Mount. He addressed that in the Sermon on the Mount. They lost the heart. Sabbath was meant to be a blessing to enable us to work better. So I suppose the question for us today is, do we still need to set aside a day of rest? 
You know, isn't keeping the Sabbath all a bit legalistic nowadays? You know, I grew up in a Christian home with Christian parents who were actually quite relaxed about Sundays. But I know some of my friends, you know, Sundays, it was more about what they couldn't do. If I'm honest, it was probably not about rest, but restriction. It was about keeping up appearances. What will people say if they see us doing this? It wasn't freeing. It was very legalistic. However, I think nowadays, we tend to drift more to the other way and say, well, we're no longer under law, but grace Which is true. Jesus has completely fulfilled the law for us. Jesus has fulfilled the Sabbath. And yet, I believe if we do go down that route and say, well, therefore, we don't need to take any rest at all. We don't need to do this sort of 24-hour rhythm. I think we actually miss out on the grace and blessing that God intended the Sabbath rest to be. You know, yes, Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath, but as we'll look in Hebrews 4, there's this invitation for every believer to enter into this eternal Sabbath rest in Christ. We can live in that. But at the same time, right from the beginning, God has ordained this pattern of rest for our blessing, not to be a burden, to be freeing, not limiting. And in his book, Emotionally healthy spirituality. Peter Scazzaro, (laughs) I'm getting there, aren't I? Peter Scazzaro describes the Sabbath rest like this. A 24-hour period in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. I love that. What should a, a Sabbath rest look like? Well, it should be a 24-hour period where we stop work, we enjoy rest, we practice delight and contemplate God. And I don't think whatever day of the week really matters. I think Paul is very clear in Romans 14 about that. You can do a little study on that. You know, for most people it is Sunday. But for me personally, I, I, pick, I pick Monday because Sundays tend to be pretty busy. But there's this model here, a 24-hour period in which we stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. And I just want us to look at those four areas this morning, just to see how this 24-hour period of planned, regular rest can not only benefit us, but also glorify God, because that's what we're into, isn't it? That's what ultimately we want to do. We want to glorify God. So firstly, stop. The Sabbath rest forces you to stop. And that is a massive thing. In our culture today, always switched on, always contactable, always online. You know, more than ever, the lines between work and home are blurred because of these smartphones. Constantly, you know, first thing in the morning, oop. There's a buzz. Was that an email? I better answer it. Constantly online, constantly on the go. You know, thanks to this modern technology, we can carry on working in our commute from back to home. We can we can carry on working in front of the telly. Hands up, who's done that? You know, and it's even more difficult when you work from home. The lines get very blurred. 
It's very easy to never really stop, to be constantly on the go. And I'm so preaching to myself here, as Claire will testify. It's very hard. I mean, the way my mind works, I'm often thinking of six different things at once. It's just the way my... Some people are very linear. I'm thinking of lots of different things at the same time, and I actually appreciate the ability of being able to just jump in when I feel inspired and jump into the next thing when I feel inspired. I'm also learning that that is not conducive to a healthy family life, married life, my own life, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Yet when we truly do stop, and I mean switch off the iPhone, close the laptop, ignore our Twitter feeds and Facebook statuses, when we truly have a planned period of doing that, what we are saying is that I am not going to be ruled by my busyness or by other people's demands. I'm not going to be ruled by it. It helps us to combat that pride that says, I am indispensable. This project will collapse if I'm not contactable. This, this church will collapse if, I'm, if I don't answer that email. Of course not. God, as we've been singing about this morning, he is on the throne. He is in charge. He is ruling and, re- and reigning. It helps us fight that Messiah syndrome. There is only one Jesus. There is only one Messiah. It's not you. It's not me. When we stop, we're saying, I'm going to put my trust in him and not in my labors, not in my work. I think the fourth commandment to keep the Sabbath is so linked to the first. You'll have no other gods before me. When we fail to stop, we're actually showing that we are valuing something higher than God. And that talks about idolatry, it talks about pride, which Liam addressed last week. So stopping is a demonstration of humility, submission, and trust in God to his rhythms of grace. He's on the throne. He's in control. We can rest in that truth. What does stopping, truly stopping, look like for you? It can look like different things for different people. What does it look like for you? When was the last time you truly stopped your work? Maybe it was in a, a holiday. When was the last time you had a holiday? God's model here is that we have this time as part of our weekly rhythm of life. Secondly, rest. Rest. Again, when we rest, we are saying, I am not God because I grow tired and weary and I need a break. God is the one who is never tired. He never grows weary. He didn't rest on that seventh day because he was exhausted, but because he knows we get exhausted. He was modeling something for us. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought about resting as an act of obedience. Have you thought about it in that way? You know, so often we're conditioned to be task-orientated. I'm only feeling like I'm worthy if I'm doing something. But actually, rest is obedient, being obedient to God. We're being disobedient if we don't rest and burn ourselves out. God wants us to be productive. He wants us to be fruitful. He doesn't want us to be burnt out and exhausted. 
Many, many, many years ago, I used to get really into uh, weight training, and I learned very quickly that overtraining has a negative effect on your physical body. In fact, I learned that muscle only grows when you rest. Because when you're pumping iron, you're actually causing damage to your muscles. And it's when you rest that the muscles have a chance to repair. And when they repair, that's when they grow. So very quickly, I learned that I had to plan in rest times. It was almost as important, if not just as important, as planning in rest times as it is to actually plan in times where you're working out. I know lots of you are looking at me saying, yep, that really was a long time ago. (laughs) It was. It was. But I learned a valuable lesson there. We grow when we rest, just as much as when we're pumping iron. You know, when we're working, 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 we cause more damage, and we don't grow. Same with our lives. We limit growth. We lose vision. We lose perspective. If all we're doing is we're staring down at this treadmill of life, or this hamster wheel that we feel sometimes we're on, constantly, constantly, you lose perspective. As you look at this mountain of demands, which takes us to the third characteristic of the Sabbath rest, delighting, delighting. When we stop and rest, it gives you an opportunity to look up and look around. It gives you space to learn to appreciate again. You know, when God finished his creation, he delighted in what he did. He took time to look at it and declare it very good. So often in our busyness, we miss the delight and the joy of what we've even accomplished because we just go on from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. Sabbath rest enables us to delight in our lives again, to delight in what's around us, to give thanks to God for how far we've come, for battles that he's helped you fight, challenges that you've overcome, for successes that you've seen. You can give thanks to God in those times. You can appreciate the people that he's given you to journey with. It just gives us that space to look up and look around with our heads constantly down at the treadmill, we can so easily lose our joy. It's just demand, demand, demand. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Sabbath rest helps us, gives us us space. And we need to be proactive as well in this. We need to plan to have some fun. Life can get very serious, can't it? So much to do. So many chores. But actually, ask yourself the question, what is it that delights me? Maybe Sometimes that's quite a hard question for people to answer because they, they haven't asked that question to themselves for quite a while. What is it that truly delights you? Maybe it's hanging out with friends and family. Maybe it's just getting away on your own some big open space for some peace and quiet. Maybe it's enjoying good food, cooking. What is it that replenishes you? Learn to delight again. But it is something I believe we need to do weekly. I remember when I was um, working in the music industry, I used to go for weeks and weeks without a break. I used to think it was fine because I would have a 
a period in the calendar, that is my break. But the trouble is, when that period of rest finally did come, I would simply collapse. You know, Paul Clare would be planning all sorts of wonderful things. Finally, I've got Steve home. We're going to go off to the park. We're going to go shopping in Kingston. We've got all these things planned. And in would walk this empty husk of a man who would rather just collapse on the sofa. You know, my days out off basically became more of a washout. That is not a Sabbath rest. That is called a washout. You know, the danger, this, this temptation to carry on, carry on working, thinking, well, I've got a week planned here. You know, we, whatever it is, you know, we take the laptop to bed. We, we, we keep checking emails on the phone. The trouble is we end up with a pattern of work, 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 collapse. Sounds like a Rihanna song, doesn't it? Work, 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 work. <laughs> work, 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 collapse. Work, 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 exhaustion. You go, well, that's a, at least I'm planning a break. No, we don't want to be a Rihanna song. God's plan is work, rest, work, rest, work. There's a rhythm to it. And if we do that, then that rest becomes an opportunity for delighting and replenishing. It's, it's not about an emergency recovery. It's not about coping and dealing with your exhaustion and, and feeling washed out. If we do that... And again, I'm preaching to myself, that's when we end up working from a place of rest rather than resting from a place of exhaustion. It's a very subtle but important differentiation. God wants us to work from a place of rest. In fact, to know that rest all the time in our work and through our work rather than resting from a place of exhaustion. When I was doing a little study about this, I was reminded again of the Jewish, ancient Jewish day. I think uh, Jewish people still recognize it. Their day starts at sunset, not sunrise. I think it's really interesting. Their day starts with a big family meal. Everyone gathers around and they talk and then they go off to rest and then they start their day. They work from a place of rest. It's, it's an interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? You know, um, the... Uh, I've forgotten which book it is. This is Andy Crouch book, actually. I've got this quote. He says this. They, rather than, so it says, their whole pattern of life was working out of the abundance of a good, night, good night's rest rather than resting to recover from a hard day's work. Interesting, isn't it? It's a real statement of trust in God. I think it ties in so well with what Naomi was bringing. Rather than rushing headlong into all our plans and all our agendas, it's a case of, whoop, I'm going to just rest in God just for a moment. They start their day that way, at sunset. Rather than rushing into your own agendas and plans, starting from a place of rest in God. Which takes us to the fourth characteristic of Sabbath, and probably the most important one. It gives us time to contemplate God. A Sabbath rest ultimately is not just to replenish us physically, that would just be called a day off, but it's to refresh us spiritually too. It's an invitation that each one of us have to dial out the noise and the stresses of life and to draw closer to God. It's a chance to look back on the week. See, God, what were you teaching me through this? 
What were you helping me with? What were you showing me throughout that last week? It's a chance to look ahead at the coming week. You know, as you look at the challenges, we can lay them before God and ask for His peace, His confidence, His strength before we go headlong into that working week. It's a chance to submit those plans, submit those priorities to Him. You know, that's why God calls the Sabbath holy. Another word for holy is set apart. It's a day set apart for God. And it's not about just drawing God into your rest. You know, I'm going to be taking a day off and, oh yeah, I'm going to draw God into this rest. Actually, it's more about us drawing closer into God's rest. God is still having a Sabbath. He is at rest. The work has been completed. He has won the victory. Jesus has sit, has, is seated on the throne. And part of that Sabbath rest is, is drawing into God's eternal rest. As we contemplate him, as we, as we draw strength from him, as he reminds us time and time again that our identity is not in what we do, but it's in who we are, dearly loved children of God. This is the bigger picture. We're loved and accepted not for what we can accomplish, but for who we are. We can rest in that. As I said, Hebrews 4 looks at this in in greater detail. It's quite a complex little passage. Just read out from verse 9 of Hebrews 4. The writer of Hebrews says this, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works. Just as God did from his, let us therefore make every effort, every effort to enter into that rest. Rest is something we need to fight for, particularly in this culture. Let us enter into that rest. This passage reminds us again that Jesus has paid fully the price for our salvation. That On the cross, he has done all that needs to be done for our salvation. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you can rest in that security, in that peace. You know, this is the life Jesus has called us to. It's a life free from striving. It's a life free from anxiety and fear, free from living for all that the world calls success. We're free from that. We're free from striving to gain God's approval. In Christ, you have it. You have it. It's an invitation to live every day from a place of rest and confidence in Jesus. In fact, the chapter in Hebrews ends with this encouragement. Let us therefore approach God's throne of grace. It's a well-known verse. With confidence. We've been talking about God being on the throne, coming to the throne room of God. We can approach this throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 
This invitation to enter God's rest is open to all. It's open to all. I love the way the message puts Matthew eleven twenty-eight. It says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. This is Jesus saying, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. This is a promise for all who come to him. If we could have the band back, why don't we just stand if you're able to. I just want to pray for us, particularly as we start the summer holidays. I just want to pray over us as a church. Let's stand to our feet. Father, we just thank you for the model of work and rest that you have given us. And Lord, I pray, I just want to repent, Lord, from the times where I have put work before you, where I have valued what I do too much, where I've placed my significance and self-worth in what I do rather than who I am. I pray for anyone else who feels that way, Lord. I pray help us to be able to trust you totally in every situation in life. In our work situation, whether we have a a stressful job or whether we're stressed because we don't have a job, Lord, I thank you for that reminder this morning that you are on the throne, that you are in charge, and that we can rest in you. And I just pray over this summer period that we will learn those unforced rhythms of grace that you have made available to us. Help us over this summer season to put into place regular rest with you, that we will truly stop, that we will learn how to rest well, that we will have times of delight in you, that we will have times of deep, intimate fellowship and relationship with you. Holy Spirit, we just draw from you even now. Give us that strength Oh, just receive from him now, church. Draw from him. Refreshing. He's like that cool breeze on a hot day. He brings refreshing. Just take away pressure and anxiety. Help us to lay it at the cross. Thank you, Lord. We can enter that perfect rest. Thank you, Lord, for peace that you're giving now in situations. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's worship him.